12, but we will be focusing on verses 10 through 12 this morning. And so, tell us today's sermon is Jesus the Christ, the greatest gift, because Jesus is the greatest gift. And he is the one who gives all good gifts to us. Just going to give everybody a second there to get in there. You know we're entering a new, new year. There's a lot of uh, New Year's things that people make. You know, you can name a lot of different New Year's things that people like to do in New Year's. I'd say that one of the best things in a New Year is to be satisfied in God. And so hopefully we'll be reminded today to be satisfied in God all year long because of the greatest gift that he gave his son, Jesus Christ. So let's read. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went out on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are worthy and do all honor and glory and power and all majesty. Lord, please remind us that this time of year we give not because of good in us, but because you gave the best gift of all for us, your son Jesus Christ. Remind us that as we enter this new year, every day is yours, every moment, every hour. You have given every good gift to us in Jesus Christ. Let us delight in him and reflect on what you have given us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So last week, Darren preached from Isaiah chapters 52 and 53, and he was informing us about the greatest gift, Jesus Christ. In fact, all scripture points to this great gift, Jesus, the Son of God. Now in Matthew's gospel, that we'll see in chapter 2, we're speaking about you know, the wise men, what they came to do, but all of Scripture points to Jesus Christ, the person and work of Jesus Christ, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And that this great gift was given for us that we didn't deserve. I mean, look at this life. We get gifts for parents and children, I think, of this time of year. Good gifts are given to children. 
uh, who don't necessarily deserve them. I know I didn't deserve them when I was a child, getting gifts from my parents. How about you? Do you always deserve the gift you get? Probably not. And that's the point. A gift is something that you can't buy. A gift is something that you can't pay for. You simply can receive it. And the best gift that was given was Jesus Christ, who was born to die for the sins of his people. So this time of year, we can think of Christmas and New Year, all that it has to bring. Uh, many people romanticize that. Matthew's gospel speaks to this time of year and every year and every moment. Matthew's gospel points us to the fact that at the right time, Jesus, the Son of God, put on flesh, born of the Virgin Mary. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. These swaddling clothes were meant for those that would be buried, who would die, very symbolic of the one who was born to die for us. But as we look at these wise men, and we come to chapter 2, we see that these wise men enter the picture. Though there's a lot of speculation that there were three wise men because of three gifts given to Jesus, this would not be historically accurate. Most likely, they would have traveled in a large caravan. There would be many people with these wise men. And that also might be a clue as to why Herod, when he was visited, along with Jerusalem, were kind of nervous about this whole thing. Because people don't get, usually get nervous because the three people just showing up. You never know. We don't know for sure how many wise men there were. Eight. But we do know that what they came to see was special. They came to see what God showed them to see. God called them to find his son, Jesus Christ. And so too, like today, God calls sinners to find his son, Jesus Christ, to repent and believe upon him. So let us look at God, how God provides in discovering the greatest gift of his son, Jesus Christ. The wise men respond with actions that tell us of their faith in the one true living God. Their actions. In their actions, we find God working through faith in these men, which helps us to evaluate our own actions. Three actions to notice about God guiding these men and their response. First, God calls all those who will have joy in his son, Jesus Christ. Second, God gives wisdom to those who fear the son, Jesus Christ. And third, God warns those who obey his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord and God, is worthy. So first we look at God calls all those who will have joy in his son, Jesus Christ. Now here in Matthew, just in verse 10 here, Matthew 2, verse 10, it says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. What a statement. They rejoiced with great joy. Why could they have great joy? Because God gave it to them. God gave them this joy. First thing he knows about the wise men is their overall posture towards God. This isn't just, I have joy because I got a new car, or I got joy because, you know, things are going good. Something has changed. Something has occurred. And it's big. And it means something forever. God gave these men revelation about his son, Jesus Christ. They just didn't, you know, wake up, saw the star, said, hey, let's go follow that. God gave them revelation about that. They just didn't, you know, 
not go back to Herod. They had a dream. God provided them the revelation about what not to do also. We'll talk about that a little later. God called the wise men to see what those, even in the Jewish faith, longed to see, but could not and did not. They longed to see the Messiah, the Son of God. And here, God chooses wise men, along with the shepherds in Luke's gospel, who would come and get to behold this amazement, this goodness, and this joy, this child. It's helpful to ask some questions. First, who searched to see this star? Well, we know it's the wise men. They had joy. Those that had joy got to see Jesus. Who did not search? Well, it was those who were very religious. It was King Herod. He didn't search. He would rather have the wise men go and find the child themselves and then come give a report to him. But is it all that different today? For those that are joyful at the appearing of God through Christ will find him. And those that are not will not even search for him. Because God calls. There are three different responses we see in the Gospel of Matthew here that is important for us to ask in our own hearts. Which of these will we respond to Jesus as? Let me rephrase that. How will you respond to Jesus? How will I respond to Jesus? How will we respond to Jesus? Will we respond to him as Herod? Herod acted interested in Christ. He came to the wise men, acknowledged them searching for him, and appeared to be interested. But we find out later he just wanted to kill Christ. Any opposition to his throne as a king. So in actuality, he hated Jesus. Then we have the religious leaders. We have the chief priests and the scribes. On the outset, they like to appear very religious, but doing anything according to God's word, when it came down to the heart matter of beholding the Messiah, acknowledging him, they refused to. And why? Because they had their own will and they had their own kingdom. Will we respond that way? Or will we respond like the wise men? Seeking Jesus, worshiping Jesus, even at their own personal cost. This is a continual theme throughout the Bible that we see of how God calls his people to himself and they rejoice in him and delight in him from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Something else to note with the chief priests and the scribes and those that were religious, they were more interested in their position. They were more interested in their kingdom. And this was a continual theme throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's Gospels. Continual theme. Christ would tell of who he is, he'd be rejected by the, the religious leaders of the day. Christ would do miracles right in front of them, and they would reject it. Why? Because it opposed the kingdom they were trying to make. They wanted to invite God to their kingdom instead of accepting the kingdom that God was making here on earth. How different is it for us today? Do we have great joy because of Christ? What can we learn from the posture of these wise men in their response to following Jesus? Well, 
First thing we can learn is they were not satisfied with looking at the star and admiring it. They didn't just look at Jesus, look where the star was shooting, and admire it. They got up and they did something about it. They set out and they followed the star. They actually got up and took action. Second, they perceived in their search and in following after the star. So they persevered. They persevered in what they were doing. They didn't let other people dissuade them. Imagine sitting with a king you don't know like Herod. Could that be intimidating? Say so. Especially if you don't know him and the type of influence he has, that could be intimidating. But they didn't let others' unwillingness or not even a desire to go with them stop them. Third, they were not discouraged in the search by clergy and doubtful religious leaders. They didn't let what was going on with others dissuade them from following the star. And let that be a lesson to us that we would not be dissuaded from following Jesus when it's not popular. That we would, in fact, follow him and have that joy guide us that we have from God. They rejoiced the star. When they arrived at the destination the star led them to, they entered in. They didn't just get to there, turn around and go home. They finished what they came to do. They finished. In the wise men, we see God calls all those who will have joy in his son, and their response is to take action. This leads to God's second action. God gives wisdom to those who fear his son, Jesus Christ. And going into the house, Matthew 2, verse 11, says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. How did these wise men respond when they saw Jesus? They dropped and they worshipped. When they entered in, they worshipped. They sensed an urgency to worship him now and not wait till later. They didn't wait to see or get more information about this child before they dropped and they worshipped. They did it. They trusted through faith. When they worshipped, it was to give something. It was not empty-handed praise. King David said when he entered the house of the, the Lord, he paid for the sacrifice that he was going to bring. He said that he wanted to cost him something, to bring something of value to the Lord. So too, these wise men wanted to bring something of value to the Lord. Not just words, but action. Something that said, I am in. I believe. I trust in you. A while back in looking at Mark's gospel, Darren highlighted a, a contrast between the fans and the followers of Jesus Christ. So the fans, people that like the show, hey, this Jesus, he's doing miracles. Wow, look at what he can do. Oh, he's feeding us, by the way. It's a banquet. He's taking that fish and them, uh, you know, the, the loaves of bread. He's making us a bunch of food. Let's follow him some more. Fans versus followers. And these wise men were followers, looking to worship this child. For they knew this was no ordinary child. This was essentially God with us, Emmanuel. Here we see a picture of humble submission by men who knew who this child was. They didn't need King Herod to persuade them. In fact, he wouldn't. 
they knew that he is a son of God. Note what they did not do. They did not look at the position or status that they came from in their own society to try to inform them about this child. They did not look down at the place or circumstance they found the child in. Imagine wealthy people jumping right into a place of no wealth, just straight need. They did not look at the child or Mary as if they were above them in stature. They didn't see that their position elevated them above this child and his parents. Instead, they fell down and worshipped the child in humble adoration. Let me say it again. They got down, and they did this. Jesus. Just want that visual for you to sink in your mind. Because in that time, you just didn't do that for anybody. You must have believed he's the son of God. That's what they did. They trusted. They worshipped. So they opened their treasures to the Christ child. The men offer three gifts to the newborn king. Gold, speaking of Christ's royalty as the king. Frankincense, speaking of Christ's divinity. And myrrh, speaking of his coming death for the sins of the world as God's perfect sacrifice. Looking closer at the gifts, we see the following. Gold, among many types of things mentioned in the Bible, you had livestock, you had precious metals, servants, gemstones. Number one, the accumulation of gold was one of the chief measures of wealth, period, in the Bible. You know, it fluctuates nowadays, goes up and down all around, but it's still worth a lot. Because of its scarcity and immense value, gold was particularly associated with royalty and nobility. As is seen in 1 Kings chapter 10, we read there that Queen Sheba visited King Solomon, was amazed at his wisdom, and what did she give him? Acknowledgement that, wow, you know a lot, you definitely know the things of God. He's told me all the things I'd ever want to know. It was gold. It was gold. By bringing a gift of gold, these wise men showed they considered Jesus a king. They acknowledged that you are a king. Here's your gold. But the gold provides a glimpse of Jesus' ministry from the Old Testament covenant, the most holy place known as the Holy of Holies. So in the temple was an inner sanctuary within the temple where the priest would encounter the presence of God and offer a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. 1 Kings uh, chapter 6, 20 through 22, describes the walls of the most holy place and the altar within it were completely overlaid with gold. The incarnation of Jesus Christ offers the presence of God himself. God literally with us and the sacrifice of atonement Jesus would make on behalf of his people when he went to the cross. So gold speaks of that. Not just his royalty, but him bringing the presence of very God with us, being in the presence of God. And so today we can know that presence through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. We can live in God's presence as we are now. Frankincense is the second gift. Is in, I wrote a few notes here. It's aromatic gum. Very uh, British of me to say that. 
but it's a, a resin that's still widely used in the Middle East and Africa. The inclusion of frankincense as a gift to Jesus indicates that the wise men understood the prophecy that this was the Son of God. Burning incense at the altar was a key part of the sacrificial system prescribed by God in the tabernacle. And later, in the temple itself, according to Exodus 30, however, not just any incense would do. There's something to keep in mind. Not just any incense would do at that offering. A specific recipe of spiced mixed with pure frankincense, a pure frankincense, was to be consecrated as pure and holy and was the only incense permitted at the altar. We see in Jesus' life, his purity and his sacrifice was perfect for our sins. A parallel that we can draw from the temple is the fact that Jesus' life was pure and holy in offering the perfect substitute for our sin on the altar of God. Then we have myrrh. So it's a fragrant spice derived from the sap of a tree native to the Near East. Uh, Noble in regards to Jesus, myrrh was mixed. uh, It was a key ingredient, but was mixed with other spices to be used to prepare bodies, uh, dead bodies, for burial. This gift of myrrh indicates Jesus' humanity and the manner in which he would save his people, namely, that he would die for them, that he would die for us, his people, Just like the first two gifts, there is a temple connection with the myrrh. So in Exodus 30, it tells us that the liquid myrrh was a main ingredient in the anointing oil used ceremonial to prepare the priests, the instruments, the altar, and the temple. So all that was prepared in it was prepared with myrrh. So it would be consecrated and be ready for the sacrifice. Jesus' life and death, anyone? The myrrh parallels to Jesus' consecrated life and sacrificial death for our sins, for the sins of his people. And these wise men gave these three particular gifts. I say these three wise men, but these wise men, we don't know the number, right? But we know there were three gifts that they gave. So they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So these three gifts pronounce and they show that Jesus Christ as prophet priest, king, and savior of all who repent and believe, of the whole world, for all who believe upon him, for salvation, for eternal life. Proverbs 9.10 states, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and he and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. See, these wise men feared God, and so he gave them knowledge about who he was. That's foreign to us a lot of times in our society because we think we've got to know first before we can, we can make a choice. Well, God's paradigm is opposite of that. We must repent first, turn from our sin, and then we can know the one true living God and follow him. Then we can follow the same way these men followed the star. Now, God gave them revelation to follow him. And that's a point that God calls that God shows when we trust in him. They came with a faith that acknowledged Jesus as he truly is, the son of God. Jesus is our prophet, priest, and king. He is our savior. And as we enter a new year, we should be joyful in that, that Jesus is sufficient in all he did for us, 
and he provides all we need in his grace, not just in a new year, but every day, that we can be joyful, that Jesus' sacrifice never runs out. He paid the the price once for eternity. So in these wise men, we see God gives wisdom to those who fear his son, Jesus Christ. This led to them leaving in a way that honored God as well. When they left the child, important to note, that they honored him and how they left. That because they honored God, when they were finished worshiping their son, he led them rightly. This leads us to God's last action we see in the text. God warns those who obey his son, Jesus Christ. We say it again. God warns those who obey his son, Jesus Christ. The question is, are we listening to his son? Even when we don't, it's confronting us. God's word confronts us with things we don't want to be told. It says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 12, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The way the wise men left after worshiping and offering their gifts to the Son of God was done in simple obedience to God. These wise men did not need all the answers to why They were doing what they were doing. They didn't need to know the why for their actions. They trusted and they obeyed. God warned these wise men in a dream not to return to Herod. So they got their specific revelation from God. So what do they do? They obeyed. So they honor God not just in showing up, giving the gifts, which a lot of us can focus on this time of year. They gave the gifts but they also honor God in the way they left. And let that be something that encourages us as we leave this fellowship together, as we go into the world, let us honor God in the way we leave and where we go and what we do and how we treat others. These wise men feared God rather than man. They acted in obedience. Being reminded of this is a reading reading through, I looked at King Saul. He was rebuked by Samuel for not obeying God. He didn't obey God, do things the way God taught him to when they, when they went to war, when they took the spoil of the land. They were, he wasn't doing things as the king that Israel wanted. He was not honoring God. And Samuel said this to him, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Obedience. It doesn't matter what ram you bring me, Saul. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters, are you being obedient to the sound of God's voice? It's better to obey than sacrifice. See, the three gifts the wise men brought were just part of it. They did what was already happening in their hearts to do. They loved God, they wanted to honor God, so God let them honor him, and then they obeyed him and how they left. God warns us when we are willing to obey his word. So will we listen? Let us listen. So in concluding, in the wise men, we see a response that calls us to do the same towards God. We see those who look for Jesus will see him, Those who truly see him will worship him, and those who worship him will consecrate their substance to him. 
These men saw the greatest gift, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Have you seen him? Have you looked upon him? Have you trusted in him? Maybe you've never heard the true story of the wise men before. Well, this finds itself not just in the birth of the child, but what the wise men were looking for, like everyone through time and space, who believes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And it starts with the bad news. The bad news is that Adam, the first man, sinned against God, had a perfect environment. He trusted in himself, and like the Pharisees and like Herod, said, I want my own kingdom. And through Adam's sin, we have all had that posture towards God, that we want our own kingdom, that we want our own will. But praise be to God that this child was not born just to be born, but he was born to die, to die for the sins of the world, for all who repent and believe, that God loves us so much that he gave his own son, that he knew he would have be born of a virgin to die for us. But before he did that, Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life for you and for I, that we could live in him. In his life, he gave the perfect appeasement to God, that he sinned not once. And then on his death, he died the perfect sacrifice for our sin. But then in his resurrection, when he rose from the dead, he had victory over sin and death. And death has no sting. It'll be swallowed up forever. Where is your sting, O death? It'll be no more. Because we are conquerors through Jesus Christ. Because the good news is, is that in Christ, we While we are yet sinners, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5.8. What does this mean for us? So as we apply this to our lives, what does this mean? Well, for non-believers, if you have never repented of your sins and put trust and faith in Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? The best gift has been given to you and for you. You can repent and believe upon him and receive forgiveness you don't deserve and I don't either. And that's why it's a great gift. Because nobody in this room deserves anything good. But God has been giving good gifts to man since the beginning of creation. And he gave the best gift in his son Jesus Christ when he died on the cross and he rose and had the victory over our sin and death. And when he came to his disciples and gave them this charge, go, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I am with you until the end of the age. And we can trust in that. Men change. God does not. For us in the church, pondering the wise men helps us to reflect on what we find our joy in and how we live out that joy in our life. Do we want the temporary fading joy of the kingdom that we want to build? Or will we submit to the kingdom God has given us? His church, fellowship, loving each other, honoring God the Father in spirit and truth. Like the wise men, we can ignore societal pressures. So we have societal pressures, right, all around us. Whether it's political, whether it's social, whether it's family, whether it's friends. Notice the wise men didn't care about that. They simply followed the star. Likewise, we can simply follow Jesus. Not that we shouldn't be informed or care about others, but we should think ultimately 
highest about what we think about God and what he has to say about it over what men say. Second, we can act out of joy for God and follow his call like the wise men. We can follow Jesus in this life. Not perfectly, we are sinners. But we are also saints. For all who've turned from their sin and trusted in Christ, you can make a difference. You can pray for those who need prayer. You can preach the gospel to those that are around you. You can serve others. We can fear God and receive his wisdom from his word and by his Holy Spirit. We can obey God and follow his warnings in our lives and love each other and warn each other. It's okay when you see a brother or sister going the wrong way to warn them. I've had loving brothers and sisters warn me. Let us warn each other. Let us love each other. Just ask this question. Is Christ our greatest gift from God, the Father of lights? Very well said. Who was the young man in the back there? Yes. Jesus is our greatest gift. So then the question is, if so, the statement, let us live like it. Together in our families and our church of Christ, when we have joy in Christ together, and we're loving each other, that is contagious to a lost and dying world. When we look and have joy, not just in this time of year, but every day because of Jesus and what he's done for us, that is contagious. People will notice that, and that is attractive. We don't need to dress the church up. We don't need to be attractional to people that are sinners that just want us to put on a show for them about a God they don't know. We want to call sinners to repent and believe in the one true living God. And a big part of how we do that as a church is by having love for one another. It's a radical thing to be in a group of people as a family where we have nothing in common except for Jesus. Amen? I mean, that's really a beautiful thing, and that is something the world doesn't have that we have. That's something that only God gives, a real family based on a real truth, based on a real Savior who really died for our sins, who really resurrected from the dead and is really going to return one day and judge the world in righteousness, holiness, and wipe away all our tears. That is good news. In this new year, God has given us in Jesus Christ. Let us pray for one another. Let us encourage one another. Let us share our lives with one another. Let us love one another in obedience to what all that, that Jesus commands us. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us preach the gospel of Jesus Christ out of joy. Not out of duty, but out of joy that is contagious that we want to tell others about the one who has saved us from death and judgment. The one that has given us newness because his son lives, so too we live. Remember as these men submitted to Jesus, they define their faith, so let us worship and define our faith through who we worship, the one true living God. Let us worship God our Father through faith in Jesus Christ, his Son, to all the honor and all the glory to the one true high God. Let us delight and find joy in him, not just in a new year, but forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we love you. We praise you for giving us every good gift in Christ. We pray that you guide us 
Uh, to have joy as we move to the Lord's Supper now, let us worship you in a worthy manner. Let us examine our hearts. Let us delight in all this new year has, not because it's a new year, but because you make all things new, because you make all things right in your Son, Jesus Christ, our gift and our joy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.